0: Welcome to the Annex Wealth Management SWAT Podcast. This is episode 16, Monday, September 12th, 2022. Discussing strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. It's insight and perspective weekly from members of the Annex Wealth Management Investment Committee. Joining us on the pod for the first time, Jason Cooper, trader and research analyst. Welcome to the pod.
1: Thanks, Danny. Nice to be here.
0: Good to have you here. Let's head over to Todd Voigt. Todd Voigt is chief investment strategist, Annex Wealth Management. Welcome. Thanks. Okay, well, this week in the SWAT, and of course, we always talk about
2: strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. With a little bit of a look ahead, I want to do something a little different this time. I want to be more of the question. Person and let Jason do more of the talking. we got an improving economy in terms of strengths. We have improving market breadth recently. What else do you see?
1: Yeah, I'd start at the economy, and we went from having back-to-back contractions, and now the Atlanta Fed GDP Now tracker is pricing in a return to growth at a 1.3% rate. The participation rate's improving, especially among 25- to 54-year-olds, which are known as the prime-age workers. And moreover, the U.S. economic surprise index is coming in stronger than many economists expected. So, you know, we're seeing that move back to positive territory, which is real indication that the economy is at least temporarily rebounding.
2: Great point. Now, if I can add something to that, we did a presentation. There was a graphic portrayal of the scenarios that we could see coming in terms of GDP in this technical recession. And we saw a dip in the first and second quarter. But then it turned, just a sketch of this scenario, this was earlier in, in the year, maybe mid-year, and had the GDP growth positive for the third quarter and then turning south. And the reason it was turning south is that you've had such an abrupt increase in interest rates by the Fed. This is not 1994 where they bump rates up five times starting in February a quarter of a point. This is starting from zero with 25, 50, 75, 75, and potentially 75 coming up here this week. Yep, It's going to be interesting to see the lag effects of that. I don't see much in the way of anyone talking about that. Yeah, uh, they always are... forget
1: that monetary policy works with a lag, don't they?
2: Right. So all good. Weaknesses, What do you uh, what do you see?
1: The big thing that I see is foreign currencies. They've just been breaking down relative to the dollar. It doesn't matter if it's a developed market like Europe or Japan or emerging markets like China. In general, the trend has been for these currencies to just collapse recently, and this represents a source of weakness for U.S. stocks that derive earnings overseas. And it's been cited as a persistent headwind through a lot of corporate guidance and company calls that I've been listening to. And you know, right. it's something that we need to be cognizant of on a go-forward basis when it comes to what earnings revisions might be in the back half of this year.
2: Right, and then the follow that can't uh, ignore the fact that oil's been weaker.
1: I don't think that most people know that WTI actually peaked in March at around one thirty, and even though it's been choppy, it, it's been trending down ever since. You've seen high energy prices that represented a tax on consumption. So when you talk about that rebound in economic activity, you know one of those reasons, and it, it's it's kind of been a source of stimulus recently to have oil prices come down and allow the consumer to spend money elsewhere.
2: Right, but also though, while crude's in a negative trend. Oil stocks haven't been, they've actually performed quite well and then on top of that when you have crude oil prices weakening, generally you have consumer discretionary improving but haven't seen that. What do you think about that?
1: been a big divergence so maybe the market believes that oil will trend higher um, and that tax will come back and, and, and plague the consumer in the back half of this year at some point. It, it it also can be that a lot of these companies derive a significant amount of their income from natural gas. And that's been very resilient, you know, looking at the price of Nat Gas. So that could be factoring into the relative outperformance of energy stocks.
2: Right. And we're heading into a seasonally strong environment for oil. Speaking of that, in the tie into inflation, so we've had WTI going down, we've had the Fed tightening still. And then if you have. We got a cpi report coming out tomorrow it's going to be interesting because the cleveland fed thinks it's going to be worse than expected and others think it's going to be better than expected meaning lower or less worse that then with this dollar strength issue we're talking about means that you're going to have a reversal in the dollar when the fed stops tightening is the lower than expected cpi reason enough for them to stop tightening And then is there another form of tightening that might put a wrench in this?
1: Yeah, I mean, going into the midterm season, I could definitely see the Fed looking for an excuse to temper the rate of interest rate increases. But as you're highlighting on a quantitative tightening basis, so allowing mortgage-backed securities and treasuries to run off their balance sheet, that's actually accelerating this month. And the last time that happened, you know, the last time the Fed implemented quantitative tightening was in 2018. And that was when the economy was much more resilient. You had less debt. You had a stronger source of growth. You didn't have this persistent level of inflation. And you ended up seeing the market collapse in the back half of that year and the Fed having to reverse course. You also saw throughout that entire year a stronger dollar. What's going to happen on a go-forward basis with respect to the currency from Fed policy? It's hard to determine that. All I know is that the last time you saw quantitative tightening, it did impact financial markets.
2: Right. And it was and it was minor. And then the point you're making too is that quantitative tightening is 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 a new new factor. I mean we've been 10, 12 years of quantitative easing. We've never had quantitative tightening really to the extent we have now, and the Fed's on a mission. So all that said, that leads into the potential if I may talk about opportunities in that area and opportunities we've had that spike in interest rates over the last six months and nominal rates. It actually presents an opportunity in bonds we haven't seen. So you might look at your bond portion of your portfolio and it just got hammered for for you know anywhere from 10 to 20 percent down but that's the past now new cash, is looking pretty attractive especially now that you've got rates more normal meaning if you got three and a half percent on 10-year treasuries add a couple to that and you're probably looking at five and a half on investment grade corporates and higher on it on high yield i don't want to talk about high yield necessarily yet but the point is is that you're getting two 2.2 percent on money markets now it's not zero anymore some brokerage accounts and i don't want to get into details of that you have to make a purchase of a money market to get that, but you can get those types of yields on money markets, which a lot of people aren't aware of, and, and it's now made holding cash a little more attractive, which is going to compete with stocks. But the opportunity in the bond area, I think, is a great opportunity, and it's going to mean uh, better returns, I suspect, in my opinion, that uh, in the bond market than what you've seen in the recent past.
1: Yeah. You can, you can look at what the market is pricing in for the 10-year real yield. And that's the yield adjusted for longer-term inflation expectations. And right now, you're almost getting a percent. You're getting 80 basis points. And between 2013 and, and 2020, or at least the first half of 2020, the the real yield on the 10-year only averaged 50 basis points and would maybe get up to close to 1%. So the fact that you're getting 80 bips here, it's, it is really starting to look attractive. and compare that to the last couple of years, you know, post-COVID, you were getting negative 100 basis points on that real yield. Right,
2: right. And then just to uh, clarify, real is nominal minus inflation. And so we could talk about nominal all all day, but when you consider the impacts of inflation, could be positive or negative uh, in terms of real yield. But the opportunities there in fixed income, anything else? I could think of one more thing and that's international equities.
1: I think that might be better to save for our threats actually because we can do some annex jujitsu and turn a threat into an opportunity.
2: Why don't we go right to threats? But before we get to that part, we've got potential threats being yield curve control, hard landing in the economy, looking at spring and the leg effects of the rate hikes. Um, What else do you see?
1: I see a problem in Europe. Gazprom is basically shuttering flows of gas from Russia to Europe through the Nord Stream pipeline. And Europe is heavily dependent on Russian gas to power its economy, and winter's coming. The German manufacturing sector has a percent of GDP is almost 20 percent of their economy versus 10 percent for the United States. So they need power to effectively power their economy through manufacturing. We're already hearing European leaders talk about price controls and energy rationing, and one of the biggest separators of a developed nation from an emerging nation is having access to adequate energy supplies. It it allows economies to power their industrial machines, feed their people, and keep life-saving equipment on in hospitals. So lack of access to energy can destroy quality of life and destroy investments on a temporary basis. So it's a threat that creates a lot of opportunity, and this is where I'm getting at with Annex jiu-jitsu. Many of the companies that are domiciled in Europe are multinationals that have clean balance sheets. Operations are primarily outside of Europe, so maybe you'll look at a European company and it's actually generating 60% of its operating income in Asia, the United States, and South America. But they all get thrown into this bucket when stocks get sold off. And if there is a crisis that develops based on lack of energy getting into Europe, it could present us with a unique opportunity to accumulate shares in a really beaten down stock. You know, buying that fear, as they always say, and selling greed
2: some of the easier calls to make is the direction for example of currencies in developed countries and so an extreme dollar strength period will notoriously lead to or typically lead to a weak dollar period the strong dollar environments hurt multinationals here in the u.s which upon a trend of weaker dollar will then turn around and help them likewise in in europe so um, opportunities there in weaker dollar, when the Fed stops tightening or or financial conditions stop tightening, are in the international arena, in multinationals, in the U.S. You agree?
1: Totally agree.
2: Always wrap up the pod. We go around the horn. Talk about the headlines. Todd, headline strength, the breadth of the market recently, the resilience of
0: earnings growth. Headline weakness,
1: foreign currencies and oil.
0: Our headline opportunity, fixed income. And our headline threat this week.
1: European energy crisis.
0: Annex Wealth Management SWAT podcast, Monday, September 12th, 2022. Jason Cooper, trader and research analyst. Thank you very much. Thank you, Danny. Appreciate the insight. And Todd Voigt, our chief investment strategist. Thank you.